In the gospel story today, we follow, you can stay standing, we're going to stand for the gospel. (laughs) We follow Mary Magdalene as she discovers Jesus gone from the tomb. We walk with her as she is blinded by grief, then her eyes are opened through Jesus' gentle word. We hear her at Jesus' direction, sharing the good news with the disciples. So please remain standing as we hear our gospel story. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must first rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended into heaven to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Holy wisdom, holy word. What a joyous day this Easter morning. Over the past few days in worship, we joined Jesus in his Last Supper with his disciples. We walked with him to the cross and the crucifixion, and we sat with him in the tomb. Now we rise with him from death and share in the glory of God's love revealed. Today, we mark God's promise of hope that never ends even in the tomb of death. Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. 
Our symbolic Lenten journey ends here. Certainly the journey continues for many of us, though our Christian calendar marks today as the end of Lent and the beginning of the Easter season. We have spent six weeks preparing for Easter, for transformation, for new life. We have examined our fears. We have examined our source of power and significance and the story we tell ourselves about us and our lives, and God's grace and love that embraces us even when we stray far from home. We have sought at every turn to make more space for God, for more love, more grace, more experience of God's presence in our lives. And here we are, in the pinnacle moment of the Christian liturgical year, the moment we experience and proclaim more than any other that God loves us and fills us and leads us from death into new life. Today, we remember again that the source of life lies in God as revealed in Jesus. We remember that Jesus showed us through his life and his death and his resurrection not only how to live, but also how God lives with us, loves us, and gives us hope. In our scripture reading we just heard, we hear the Gospel of John's account of Jesus' resurrection revealed. Mary was the first to arrive at the tomb and find it void of Jesus' body. Immediately concerned and upset, she ran for others, then stood alone outside the empty tomb, weeping. Her expectations were not met in any way. She planned to visit the body of her dear friend and teacher. She returned to be with him for a little longer. We hear the desperation in her voice when she says, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Her world is already rocked by the dramatic and painful crucifixion of Jesus. It was not what any of the disciples had expected. As far as they knew, it was the end. The end of a dream. The end of a vision. The end of a faith that led them to believe that Jesus would sit as the king of Israel with power and military might. Instead, he lay dead in a tomb. Except even that has changed. So unable to get her bearings, Mary searches frantically for Jesus and asks for help in finding his body. We have talked here many times during Lent about dying to our sins and struggles, letting go of that which blocks our full experience of God's love. How many times have we let go of something we want to move away from only to continually keep track of it, receiving comfort from hanging it on? Hanging on even just a little bit. Hanging on to the past. The way things once were. I once had a therapy client who committed to losing weight and in so doing, stopped eating sugary treats. Yet she kept one bag of cookies in the back of the pantry. That way she always had a choice of going back to her old way of eating or continuing on her new path. You see, without the cookies there, she obsessed about sweets and could hardly concentrate on anything else at home. 
So she held on to that part of her that was an obstacle to more healthy living, even as she sought to let go. And her transformation was not complete until she could comfortably remove the cookies from her home. Only then did she know that she had experienced deep and lasting change. So we see in Mary a bit of a similar holding on. Not that we can really compare Jesus to a bag of cookies, but you get the idea. Mary is beside herself when Jesus' body is gone, and her whole focus turns to finding him. Then Mary asks the man who she thinks is the gardener, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. She is so focused on how things used to be that she does not recognize the resurrected Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to see the beginnings of transformation. Just as Mary did, we sometimes mistake a God event, like a resurrection, for something else, something more mundane, more everyday, like a gardener. A wondrous, life-changing, God-led transformation is happening right before her eyes, and Mary is asking for things to be the way they once were. Until Jesus speaks her name. Mary. She's lifted out of her weepy haze and her tears are transformed into joy through the presence and word of Jesus. It is him. Her eyes are open to see the results of God's action in the midst of death. The resurrected Jesus. We have a hint here that that maybe she didn't quite get it. That her joy came at least in part in finding the man Jesus rather than realizing God's love and saving grace in this event. Jesus warns her not to hold on to him. And it, it doesn't appear that he means in a literal sense such as, don't touch me. Jesus, in resurrected form, is instructing Mary not to cling to the idea of him the desire to have him, the need to keep hold of him as she once knew him to be. You see, for this gospel writer, Jesus' glorification is not complete until he ascends to God. Transformation happens through death, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus has died and has been resurrected, but he has not yet ascended to God. Transformation is not complete It's still in process. If Mary is to hold on to Jesus now, she will keep him stuck in the middle of transformation, and the fullness of God's power and love will not be made known. Mary reminds us to keep an open spirit rather than clinging to what we once knew. Transformation, resurrection, new life, often happens over time. And part of our spiritual journey is to hold steady and to wait and to stay open to the whole process. We want to rush to completion. And sometimes in our rush, we find ourselves clinging to a partial transformation and believing that that is enough and we can get stuck there. Resurrection certainly does not always happen when we plan for it to. In fact, it usually does not occur according to our own timetable. Even though we have walked this journey of Lent, 
We have let go of obstacles. We have repented and sought forgiveness. We have opened ourselves to God's transforming love. We may or may not experience new life fully on this Easter day. It does not often come neatly packaged on the dawn of Easter morning in the shape of an egg in a basket. No, for some, new life or a positive change or a deepening relationship with God has come little by little already. And for others, it's still in process, or it may come some time from now. On Thursday evening, when I got the call that Brad was too ill to lead worship that evening, I playfully responded that I hoped for his resurrection by Easter. Well, Brad is a reminder to us that new life comes when it comes, and not according to the calendar. Yet for Brad, healing will come, and it is coming. And when it does completely, he'll probably feel like he's been raised from the dead. His healing will likely happen over time in bits and stages as his body regains strength and is restored again to health. But however it happens, healing transformation, new life will come. So what helps us to see and experience and believe God's transforming actions? When Peter and the beloved disciple go to the empty tomb, the beloved disciple immediately saw and believed. He has such a different experience from Mary, who was immediately distressed and weepy. While Mary is focused on her grief and loss, the beloved disciple sees with the eyes of faith. Because of his faith, when he saw the linen burial cloths lying in a heap on the ground, he had some context to know that Jesus had conquered death. He didn't fully understand what that meant or what the implications were for the world. He didn't even have words to articulate what he saw. All he knew, and he knew for sure, that Jesus defeated death. And that was enough for that moment. We are reminded by the beloved disciple that in the context of our faith, we have eyes to see God's actions and experience God's love, even when we do not yet have words to tell of it or full understanding of its meaning or implications. We are called to build our faith, to deepen our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and allow space for the possibility of resurrection, of transformation, of new life to be realized in and around us. Our faith provides a foundation for context so that we may experience God and identify God's grace and love when it is before us. And the good news is that even when we miss it, when we're focused on other things, when we're clinging to our own expectations, God continues to call us. God knows us and loves us and beckons us. God calls us by name. And when we mistake God for something ordinary, God will speak directly and intimately, just as Jesus did when he said, Mary. And God continues calling us by name until we see and we know and we answer, Rabboni. 
For in that moment, a transformation happens. We are changed by God's love in Christ. We learn from this gospel story to garner our strength, to keep our eyes and spirits open, and to resist the urge to hold on to the slightest change as if it is completion. And we, too, are brought closer to God. We, too, are changed by God's love, transformed from death into new life. John Indermark wrote a Lenten devotional called Genesis of Grace, and he affirms in his book that God's love will not let us go forgotten any more than it left Jesus forgotten in a garden tomb. In God's gracious remembrance, we find our life and hope and home for all time to come. God remembers us. God calls us by name. And God loves us as beloved children. And God uses all circumstances for good, even death on a cross. In faith, in God, we have hope. Christ is risen. And that is good news indeed. Amen. So we are so fortunate to have the blessings of this wonderful choir. They, along with our readers, will beautifully and poignantly walk us once again through the events of this past week. Part of our faith journey is to tell and retell the stories of our faith. And Holy Week is one time that we have that opportunity to speak and sing and hear and see the story in many forms. So hearing and telling our faith story helps us to remember it, to find our place in the story, to hear it in a new way, and to take part in it on a personal level. By remembering it again and again, the story of celebration, communion, death, waiting, and rebirth, it becomes a part of our lives and gets incorporated into our own personal history. So this version of the story comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Some of the events are different from the ones we just heard from the Gospel of John. And the the truth of the story is the same in all the Gospels. God loves us so much that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, not even death on a cross. And God's love is transformational. So out of the shadows of crucifixion, we are all reborn in God's love. When we experience Christ, we receive love, and we are transformed. Then we are called to respond by sharing the good news with others. As you will hear in just a moment, we are called to follow the risen Christ into all the world. So may this story be your story.
We have all heard of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Time passed, and the day approached when the citizens were to celebrate Passover with a meal together. Jesus sent word to his disciples that he would keep the Passover with them, adding that he knew that his time had come and that they should gather for this their last supper together. When they had come together at the table that evening, he said to his disciples, Eat this bread, drink this wine, for this is my body and blood I share for you. After supper was finished, Jesus quietly told his disciples that they would betray him. And just as when the shepherd is killed, the sheep would scatter. The disciples murmured in disbelief. Jesus assured them, Afterward I will rise and go before you to Galilee. He then went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. While he prayed, he asked his disciples to stand watch. But twice they could not keep their promises, 
falling asleep just when he needed them. Morning came, and Jesus was delivered to Pontius Pilate, who turned to the multitude of people gathered before him and asked, I will give you Jesus or Barabbas. Who do you choose? The people answered, Barabbas, Barabbas. Pilate then asked, What should I do with Jesus? They shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate took water and washed his hands and said, I am innocent of the blood of this man. And when they came to the place, which is called the skull, there they crucified him along with two criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Then Jesus died. There was a man of great wealth from Arimathea who was named Joseph. He was a follower of Jesus. He went to Pontius Pilate and asked for the body of Christ, and the body was delivered to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linens and laid it in his own tomb. He rolled a great stone in front of the entrance to seal it, and then he departed. On the morning of the first day of the week, as the sun was rising, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary journeyed to the tomb. When they neared the tomb, a great earthquake occurred, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled away the stone from the door. Fear not, for I know that you have come to seek Jesus. He is not here. He is risen as he foretold. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. The women, having seen the empty tomb, departed with fear and great joy to do the angel's bidding. Jesus appeared before them and repeated what the angel had said, and they fell to their knees and worshipped Christ the Lord. Thank you. 
The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. They saw him there and worshipped him, but in their hearts some doubted even what they saw. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go now and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. of the shadow of darkness, Jesus triumphed. From out of the shadows of death, Jesus rose. When his own disciples betrayed him, and when he went from cheering crowd as he entered Jerusalem, to a mob yelling, crucify him, Jesus never wavered from doing his Father's will. When it seemed as if, if everything had been lost, and all was for nothing, Jesus was victorious. From out of the shadows of the crucifixion, we are all reborn. From out of the shadows of Holy Week, we walk from night to Easter morn. Sing Alleluia, the stone is rolled away forevermore. Out, out of, of the, the shadows, shadows from, from death, death to, to life, life, we follow our, our risen Christ. Christ.
Amen. Thank you. Thank you.